show, Lisa Crown Podcast, and my spotlight feature interview that I have today. I'm so personally excited about this interview. Why? Because I'm interviewing a legend, a star, one of our title executives in the nation, happens to be at another company, but it doesn't matter to me. Peeps, success, I want to hear about it. Ryan Raphael joins us from First American Title. He has been in the business 11 years. He works mainly in the OC in California. He's in the top 1% in the nation with lands him number two spot in all of First American Title. He is here with us to bring his you know, brilliance and his nuggets. Get out of paper and pen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a hot interview. Ryan, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Yeah, you betcha. You are, you've got a whole cool business model that I can't wait to dive into today. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your brilliance with the world. I always say we're not to go into the ground with all the knowledge up in our brain, you know, and the fact that you're here sharing it with all of my listeners, I'm so uh, appreciative and grateful for you. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm more than happy to help. Yeah, you bet. So in a nutshell, you know, can you explain to us how you got where you are today? Tell us a little bit about that 11-year journey. Yeah, so um, there's no talent. I barely graduated from high school. Uh, um, (laughs) You know, my father was a butcher. My mom stayed home and raised kids. So my dad worked really, really hard, crazy long hours. And that's what I saw. You know, I watched my dad get up at 2.15 in the morning and work till you know, 3 p.m. and then coach baseball and soccer and softball and then dinner with the kids and homework and go to bed at 10, wake up at two. And, you know, just that work ethic was all I've really ever known. And so, um, you know, graduated high school and went directly into the home inspection business and did that for about, um, so I was 17 when I graduated and I did that, you know, for five or six years and crushed that. We built a massive business uh, largest national title or uh, home inspection company. And then I, you know, got recruited to go into title. And so, you know, my first year I was an early adopter into social and just, I don't believe in luck, but just timing was everything. Right. So, and it was not wow. a good time. Either. It was not a good time. It was all foreclosures and short sales and you weren't getting paid often, but you know, it's never a lack of resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness. So. I like how you said you really dove into social. So if somebody's listening right now and they're new to title sales, what social advice do you have? Like what should they do on social to kind of get that ball up and running? You know, don't obviously talk politics. Uh, don't right. post about religion. <laughs> keep it, keep it general, keep it Switzerland, you know, go neutral. Yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, we, you know, people can connect with you in a way that they never could before. I was such an early adopter when Facebook first came out that when I switched over to title, I had people who were loyal to their title rep for 10, 15 years going, Hey, I just like who you are. Here's a bone. Here's a bone. Here's a bone. You know, my first month, you know, at, at Fidelity, I think I did 45 transactions and they, my goal was five. They're like, if you can do five titles, I'm like five title orders. My gosh. Okay. Uh, you know, I had to do do that in an hour. (laughs) So, you know, I just, I don't think I got lucky. It was just right timing, you know? So build a, build a brand, build your audience, find your tribe. They'll, they'll come to you. I love that. So tell me what your biggest takeaway has been in the shutdown. You know, what have you really taken out of that? Uh, well, I think my biggest takeaway from the shutdown is this extended a lot of people's lives 
uh, in this business, right? You can sit back and do almost nothing and still just barely fly under the radar. Right. Um, but I really think it's kind of bridged the gap, honestly, from between the top reps and the, you know, the newer reps. And, and so I think the takeaway is uh, out of sight, out of mind, you have to continuously be in front of them and be available. And people don't like to know that you're doing that much better than them, right? They want to work with a top person, but they don't want to know that you're doing. So you got to kind of find this good balance as far as, you know, you're not just out living the dream and they're back struggling. And so. Isn't that interesting? You know, you know I, I remember feeling that way too, when I was in sales in LA that, you know, there were times where I thought, gosh, I need to like, I need to bring it down a, a smidgen, you know, that I just don't want to be too like, oh, she's doing good no. and, you know, well enough. That was smart. That's yeah. Humble. Yeah. I just always stay humble. Always stay humble. I love that. What does an average day look like for you? What's your game plan? What do you do in a day? What should people be doing? It's much different now. Um, I still am on the phone from probably 6 a.m., you know, and I typically will stay on the phone till late working. But, you know, I, I've kind of toned down as far as the hours. It's more um, the quality of the hour versus the amount of hours. So like my first, you know, three or four years, I think my first three years, I, I worked seven days a week minus Christmas and New Year's Day. And, you know, and I just worked and worked and worked and I loved it. It wasn't like I would complain. I just, I was grateful for an opportunity. And so, you know, an average day for me, honestly, I take my kids to school. That's a huge priority to me. Um, that's at 745. I'm typically on the phone back in my office by 815. I deal with all the junk in the morning, all the crap that no one else wants to deal with the bad emails, the issues, the, you know, all the stuff that I really try to kick down. So all the issues early in the morning. And then I typically am finishing my prospecting between nine or starting my prospecting between nine 30 to about one o'clock. And then from about one to three is prelim reviews. And, um, you know, I read every single prelim and then I call my clients and discuss them with them and make sure I'm not missing anything. And then from three to six, I'm typically handling recordings in between and, you know, but I always answer my thing. I, no matter what prospect four hours a day, no, if, wow. if I miss that, I make it up even on a weekend still today, no matter how much we close. Wow. Huge but. prospector. And you feel the phone is your winning tool on that. I'm a big fan of focus on your strengths, not your weakness. I don't really care to be the best at, at you know, everything. Um, the phone took, you know, starting of March, the phone took me out of my comfort zone. I mean, I was an in-person guy. I would like to see them at their house or see them at the broker previews or meet with them in person. And that was my strength. The phone is, is not something I was really good. That forced me to get into it. Um, but you know, the prospecting is obviously what prospecting cures all, right? So that's right. just what I have to do. And then I have my, you know, the rest of the people on the team who also prospect and do a lot of follow-ups and stuff like that. So that's a great line that you had right there. Um, and then I love how you said, <clears throat> I, I love how you create your own shift, right? You just, you identify, right? Can't call on it. Now I'm going to be mastering the whole call thing, even though I don't love it, right? I'm going to get into yeah. it. I'm going to, tweak it from the four hours I'd be out in the field. To it the gets phone. easier. 
you know, it, it definitely does. And, you know, you got to take a lot of practice, but you know what, it, it's just the way we're, it's the way it is right now. You have yeah, no you're absolutely right about that. I want to talk a little bit about your mindset. So if you're having a hard day or an off day or a bad day, how do you get your mind right? I mean, look at pandemic. That was a tough one, right? We're yeah. such social creatures and it really didn't hit me until about December where it was like, I don't start getting into some form of normal. It's going to be bad around here. Right. Uh, and so, you know, mindset has always been something, I, a strength of mine. Like I, I think the best advice my dad ever gave me one time when I was like nine and we were fishing was like, it was snowing and this duck's just, you know, swimming in the pond. And basically his, his, mind, his analogy was no matter the weather, no matter the storm, you got to be like a duck and just let it roll right off and just keep trucking. And so I don't really take things personally. You know, my mindset is very like someone will call and scream at me and I take it on the chin and then I, you know, will just, I have no problem letting them be a subordinate for a minute and then go back. And like, I, I take my ego out, like ego is no amigo. So I just let the ego roll. I don't really care. And you know, I just stay clear focus, which is my hourly. I got to make sure that those people behind me are eating and my title officers and escrow and everyone's eating. So I, I have no problem shoveling crap. I honestly don't care. Um, you sound like just, yeah, I honestly don't. I mean, I, and if I have a really tough day, sometimes I'll just scrap it. I just don't, I just don't care. And I'll just go down. We have a bunch of horses. I'll go down to the barn and just hang out with the horses change the scenery up and then go back the next day and, you know, double and triple down. Maybe I'll prospect for six or seven hours, but, um, you know, it's, it's what we do. Listen, it's never, it's never always perfect. I might and need to okay do a podcast. Yes. I like that a lot. Thank you for that. I might need to do a podcast called ego, no amigo. Cause that was funny. <laughs> 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 you know, putting your ego in check over, you know, circumstances is so huge. I think that's where people get tangled up, you know, is it's just like, they've got their, they just, you know, want to be the one that has all this stuff and all the solution. I like how you say, you know what, I, I can take it. Someone could be subordinate for a sec. Yeah. I like that. It's cool. I love it. You know what? I I'm, we're in the service business period. Yes. And if the customer always right. No, but you damn well make them feel like they are. And ultimately they're the ones who are paying our bills. So you know what? We just do our job. We provide love and service. If it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then by all means. It's right. Okay. I love that you know? so much. So by you prospecting, you know, two, four hours a day plus, um, you must be hitting some mega targets out there. Mega targets create a lot of energy, a lot of like nerves and fears and a lot of rejection. You know, they're not easy to get. You don't call a mega and they're like, oh, you get my next order. Like they're locked up. They're good. Um, how do you work through massaging megas to become a yes? So I, I actually think it's quite the opposite. I think yeah. there's a lot of fear built around the megas and believe it or not, most of the time, the megas are the easiest to get. They are. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I pick up the phone and I, I'm, you know, it's courting, right? We're, we're in the professional daters. And so, you know, you know what? I honestly... I don't need it right now. When, when the time and the opportunity presents itself, I'm there. But ultimately, 
you know, I, I am, I'm just calling them, checking in with them, seeing how they're doing. I'm not asking for the title order. I'm basically just saying, Hey, if I, I could ever be of service Saturday, Sunday, weekend, eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night, I'm here. You have a spare tire in your car. Just let me be a spare tire. If I can ever be of assistance. Sure enough, I believe once you put it out there, it comes back. They're on the buy side of a transaction. I work the buy side. You know, I nurture that whole transaction with them. I call them, discuss the prelim with the clients. I send, you know, nice little compliant gift to their, you know, as far as like, hey, here's some First American, you know, buyers and sellers guide swag, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know what? They just appreciate it. They appreciate the extra effort in protecting their clients and their, their you know, their relationships. And so I think people genuinely know if you care, caring costs nothing, right? So just, if you can just care and just do your job, everything else will follow. Caring costs nothing. I've picked up a lot of mega agents just from doing my job on the buy side and they can tell the tone and the demeanor of if you really care. Now, if you don't know your craft, then you're going to obviously struggle with that. But you have to be confident in what you do and explaining the prelim and coverage and exceptions and all the fun stuff that we do. You know, title is not that sexy of a gig, but it is a pretty important aspect of it. And if you don't believe and know the product, then, you know, the clients aren't going to really get dig with you. So. Well, there's another podcast. Title's not that sexy. <laughs> I mean, my mom thinks I sell title. So, I mean, there's, oh, I know. You know I've heard that. Times. My mom's like, call him. He'll get you a deal on tile. I'm like, I have people <laughs> remodeling their home calling me. Like, oh, so. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, mainly with the targets you are calling, right? You're not like texting or videos or social media it, or you're doing a combo of all those things. A combo of both. You're I mean, I don't get stalkerish, right? I, I will call them. They don't answer. I shoot them a text message. I'm not sending them a video, you know, I'll maybe send them a video after our first meeting, thanking them for their opportunity and, and congratulating them on their success and, you know, all that fun stuff. But no, I mean, I, I, timing is everything. And the good thing about abundance is it tends to flow and people can tell that you're not starving. And so, you know, honestly, again, if I can be of service, I'm here. And if I can't, there's a thousand other people I could work with. It's no big deal. I like that I'm mentality. Gonna, I like that mentality. Way That's confidence, right? That's they can tell that. And top agents understand that. They don't get they every listing. But, yeah. And they don't get every listing, but they obviously want to know they how can you take me from you know A to B? What else can you do to increase my bottom line? And that's really what we do. We're ultimately incredible coaches on how to create more money they just don't realize that love that nugget dropped love that so much thank you for that you know um yeah there's a i have a great book about that but just about salespeople really becoming coaches because you're you're bringing such a value add and it really does stem from confidence i'm glad you brought that up because i feel like it's such a key component for real exponential growth like when people ask, yeah. how do you go from good to great? I said, it's activating the confidence bone. You really have wow. to bring that into your business. Right. How does yeah. someone get more confident? Believing in yourself, believing you're worthy of it. Honestly, I think the barrier of financial success and, and closings and revenue and everything else is believing that you are deserving of it. 
I, I genuinely believe, you know, this mental block of making X is crazy to me. How many people just don't believe they're deserving? You know, I remember when I was just trying to break 50,000 a month, you know, in revenue, 100,000 revenue. I thought I broke 100,000. I thought I was going to have a heart attack, you know, and now at like, you know, crazy numbers, I'm less stressed than I was doing what I closed in, you know, three or four days. And it's just, once you kind of train the brain to process that a little bit differently, and then also believe that you can do it is, I think the confidence kind of rolls, you know, falls in line with that. I like the rule of 33, you know, where you spend your time. I love, what's that mean? The rule of 33. So 33% of your time should be spent with people who are making more money than you are, right? 33% of the time spending people making the same amount of money because they're trying to get to the same tier or to that next 33 tier. And then 33% of your time with people below you because, you know, it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. And then the 1% are the high, high ultra income, you know, mentors who've kind of hacked the game. And so, you know, you kind of figure out your, your pool of people and you realize, you know, that there's not many one percenters out there. I love that so much. Aside from the fact that my hockey number when I played hockey was 33, that is, <laughs> that's my lucky roulette number. I'm never going to forget that. I love that so much. Hope you guys wrote that down because that was very cool, very clever and something really cool to get out to like realtors and lenders with that information because you really need to see who's in your circle and where are you spending your most time and what are you listening to, which is huge. Um, Talk to me about rejection or losing a client. What, What goes on in your mindset? It's actually my favorite thing, believe it or not. I, another Gary V, I, another Gary V thing. No, I almost love it more, <laughs> you know, because I like I'm a professional hunter. That's what we do, right? We we are hunters. That's and and part of the the gatherers and hunters. And there's a few who can hunt, and there's the rest who gather. So, uh, you know, when someone does, well, first off, the rejection piece comes with confidence, right? So once you have the confidence, and they just reject you consistently their rejection becomes a little bit easier and also their rejection and their rebuttal to you becomes a little bit easier. It's like, Hey, I've been working with so-and-so for, you know, 12 years. And, and quite honestly, it's just not fair to him if I jump to you. And it's like, you know what? I completely agree with that. And I hope my clients say the same thing. Again, I, I think you do an incredible job. And if the opportunity ever presents itself, I do a lot of transactions. You're probably going to be on the buy side of a few, just save my name, save my number. And, I'm sure we'll be crossing paths and I'm if I'm here, I'm here, you know, I'm here to help. Um, I, the rejection portion, I love, I love like a uh, Gary Vee, actually, it's funny. He <laughs> says, I love, I love getting punched in the face. Like it's, I had a brother who's 10 years older and I got beaten as a kid. So like, I love just the, the quick jabs of do. people. It's just fun for me. And, and honestly, it keeps the fight that much funner. I, I think if there was less, you know, if there wasn't as many jabs, it wouldn't be as fun, right? Right. And most people just stop after rejection. I mean, I had an agent, I called her for three and a half years. Like it was borderline, you know, uh, restraining order status, right. like <laughs> once a week for three and a half years. Like I looked at like my wife and I'm like, if some dude called you for that amount of time, I'd be like, so, <laughs> uh, you know, but hey, timing was everything, you know, her, her guy was on vacation. He wasn't doing his job. He didn't have anyone in the backfield to do it. 
And, you know, she's listed six this week and we're getting all six of them and it just created an opportunity. So um, I love the rejection piece. She's rejected me a thousand times and I just, you know, just friendly phone calls and it works. You know, I can hear my listeners right now. My listeners are going, how come you love it? It makes me want to cry when I get rejected. I take it personally and I feel deflated. I can hear them. How come you love it? Just business. You have to partition the emotion aspect of it. It's not personal, right? You're a good person. They would probably love you outside of work. They've just never had the opportunity to hang with you. You, you got to figure out who's in their circle, who their lender, who their escrow, who their CPA. Like you can find that out. And once you do, you're typically in, right? Other than that, um, it's just business. It's not personal at all. And I think that's kind of one of those things where I was easy to just to divide it. And I don't take anything personal. I really don't. So smart. It's so smart. And if that can click where people can literally separate it, it's, it's a game changer. It's yeah. a game changer, right? This is not somebody who'd be at the hospital by your side if you weren't well, or, yeah. you know, first birthday party for the most part of your kid. It's just, this is business. I love how you say that. And you're very clear about it. And that's something that needs to click for people. Because the faster you get over yeah, it, you're running the business. Right. You know, how right? something good in his book. He's like, five minute rule. You let that shit roll off in five minutes. Let's go. Let's move on to the next thing. You right. only give life to that issue or that rejection for five minutes, and then we got to go, which I love. Right. Um, let me ask you this, because I know a lot of people are really curious about this too. How'd you get to the top? How do you become number two in a company? How, what is that? What is that process? It's it was goals, right? Visions. I, I mm. from the second I got hired, I all I wanted was the opportunity. That was it. You know, I just wanted the opportunity. I have you know massive numbers written on my boards, and some of those numbers are you know five years down the road, ten years down the road. I mean, I've got goals to be doing you know one point two million a month in revenue. I mean, so these are things that. That's a, that's a sales rep's a whole year. You know what I mean? Like, how can that happen? And so, I, you know, I just think big, honestly. I, I, I would rather have a lot, lot of people eating very well, building, you know, a big team, a big conglomerate, pulling myself out of it. I always wanted it to be me. Like, Ryan Raphael's the king. I, I and it, it was weird. There was this, once I got into coaching, it was more about leverage, right? And more about time and expansion and we created a team name and I wanted other sales to understand the process that I built and the procedures and the people and the fact that they can leave and go on vacation and everything flows. Um, I, I really just, I have great people. I think big and I execute. There's no talent. I just work hard. I and love that so much. Leverage. I love leverage. that so much. I'm very resourceful. I'm a scrappy dude. I love scrappy. I will say this, yeah. just so you guys, my listeners, because they're national, because 40 people in 43 states plus are listening to this. When he says 1.2 million, he's a title only rep because he's in the OC. So if you do the math, title and escrow joint sales executives, that's 2.4 million generated a month if you were a dual title and escrow representative in your state. That's phenomenal, unheard of numbers. And that's his goal. I love that the answer, the first answer you said on that question was goals. 
And we work so intently in my coaching program on goals and the importance of it. I think when people got into this business, you know, back in the day, like I got in, in the nineties, like when you get back in the day, there really wasn't any goal setting setup, you know what I'm saying? And so it's so interesting to see people have that part of their model are the ones that are really creating the blueprint, the strategies, the thought process of how to get us there. And that's the fun part, right? That creative piece. I love that. You know, the interesting thing though, is during this crazy market, there's always going to be people who are going to be like, well, you did that because of the market. And it's like, eh, the market had a portion to do with it, but I also did X amount of ungodly amount of years. And so, you know, I think, you know, going back to the question, how'd I get there? Uh, October is my January. So my Q1 starts in the fourth quarter and mm. my, it's my second quarter right now. And so, you know, this six months we work an ungodly amount of time. And then in Q3, we're kind of sitting back and tweaking systems and processes and making sure the boat's going in the right direction. And then, you know, month three and four, we get to celebrate and enjoy a little bit of time with our family. And then when everyone else takes off, we ramp back up. And so I don't, I don't get lulls because I really think that's, I've created, I, I realized I watched what everyone else was doing and did the opposite is the only thing I can say. I love that so Those much. I love that. I love how you've created your year. You've got it. I, I think it's so cool that your Q1 starts in October. That's a nugget. That was really, that's really clever. And then uh, it kind of leads me into my next question. Something that really intrigued me about you and your business model is your balance. You are super like specific about like your time. And I want you to tap into that because your theory on time like is inspiring. It's inspiring to me. I really like appreciate um, you know, you sharing with me your value of time and like, how do you balance being this top sales executive and a husband and a dad and you travel and you really enjoy your life, Ryan? Like, I want to be serious. I'm not blowing smoke. You guys need to listen. This guy enjoys his life. He's loving life. How do you get there? Well, you know, I watched a father work and work and work and then pass away very early. And that was something that I never, I never wanted to do, right? I never wanted to wait until we got to here. I never wanted to, you know, just, you know, in 10 years, we'll do that. I, I don't do that. I work to take care of my family. And the time with my family is very, very important. I'm not going to say how much time I take off, but I take off a lot of time, a lot of time. And, and I'm still working when I'm on the road sometimes, but you know, last week or last year, um, and even this year will be gone quite a bit. I first off, I, I have a one year, three year and a five year plan as far as income and goals and all that stuff. And so it's like a bus route. I know when I'm getting on and when I'm getting off and sometimes I got to cross the road and that's, that's the plan. I also know my hourly, I know my ARPO. So, you know, my average price per order, um, I know everything to the T of how much I make and going back to the coaching aspect of it. When I sit down with my realtors and I dig deep with them and get pretty personal, sometimes that's where it kind of clicks. Right. And so um, running the business, right. So uh, the time for me is if I want to take, let's say a few weeks off every month, you know, or every three or four months off with my family, 
um, I just got to make that time up elsewhere. So my wife understands that sometimes I will work seven days and sometimes I'll work one day. Um, I'm always working. I'm always, always working, but um, I do enjoy my life. And I, I think that was really watching my father pass away really early and having to take care of and help, you know, I was young and help brothers and sisters and you know, kind of become a man very, very young was in a weird way, one of the single best things that ever happened to me. And so I just, if I die tomorrow, I want my kids to remember the incredible time that we had. I don't miss anything for my kids, not one thing ever. So I, uh, that is vitally important to me and the money always follows if you do the right things. So I don't, I don't really, I don't stress about awesome. it. That, that little chunk right there. That was like, that was a gift. You just gave me and our, and all these listeners a gift right there. You are absolutely right. Your dad gave us a gift too. Truly. Thank you. And I'm so sorry for your loss. And yet his story is inspiring us because there's people who are workaholics listening, blowing their kids off, not having fun, crying at night, you know, the money's pouring in, but they're miserable. And so I like how you say yeah. it comes in. I just create balance yeah. and you've got rules. And you honestly have to be happy, right? And, and everyone's version of happy is different, but the money, the money doesn't necessarily create the happiness and it doesn't really change who you are. It really enhances it. And so as you start building it, you either do really good things or you do really bad things. And so, you know, I've leveraged it to create opportunities for my family. And, you know, we have an amazing, amazing life together. And so, Again, if anything, we're building, we're doing this to leave a legacy and, you know, what are they going to remember that we were always on our phones and that was more important or that we were in Yellowstone and Glacier and we drove here and we, we did all these amazing trips and something that you want them to repeat because typically you're a product of your environment. You tend to repeat what you've seen growing up. Love that. So, that just gave me the chills. I love that so much. Thank you for that share. That was awesome. I always say you either have money or you have time and you don't have both in essence, right? And you got to make it work. And you're so blessed. Just like I was when I was in sales, I had an amazing team. And the fact is you're so particular about who you allow into your work environment that you can let go, trust, shut it off. And your team brings it 110%. And that's what keeps your flow as well. Yeah. So lucky, right. such a cool and I thing. Don't work with people, you... I don't work with people who I can't bring to the dinner table, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't feel comfortable having them at the dinner table with my family, then I don't work with them, period. 100%. And that is something very important. People are always chasing, no matter how they treat you, I'll fire them faster than they come on. I don't yep. care. So yep. yeah, bringing people, allowing people in is vitally important. Huge, huge part of the, the puzzle there. I have two last questions. I'll ask you quick because I know your time is valuable and you got to get going. I will say this. What advice, there's going to be new people listening today. What advice do you have for a new person? They're just getting in in 2020. They don't know it any different. What yeah. advice do you have for a newbie title person? Uh, I think the number one most important thing is your schedule, right? So you have to marry a schedule and the calendar is everything. I don't do anything without a calendar everything is is broken down to 30 minutes to an hour um and then write down your goals and write down your income so what i did you know i always wrote down on the left side of a sheet exactly what i was making and on the right side exactly what i know to make and maybe that was you know five thousand to ten thousand five thousand ten five thousand ten and so breakfast lunch and dinner every single day i trained my brain 
for exactly what I wanted. And once I started hitting 10K, I rolled that over and it was 10K, 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 14, 14. And so as you start rolling it, riding it, seeing and believing it, actions create reactions, right? So if you're prospecting, you know your numbers and your laser focus and what you think about expands, you will hit it. It's just time. Patience in this business is a strength, not a weakness. Um, and, and it's okay to build, right? And ask for help too. I have a lot of good older mentors, uh, reps in this business who, you know, have really kind of given me nuggets along the way and encouraged me. And, and I think that was vitally important. That is huge. Thank you for that. That was good advice. I love it. And by the way, I did not pay him to say the schedule thing that was organic on his own because all I do is pound them, Ryan, schedule, time blocking, day planner, pound, 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 because it's the truth. Someone asked me on my coaching call the other day, one thing, like one thing we need coach, like going into 21, just give me one. I'm thinking one, well, here's one, your schedule. Yeah. You nailed that, Ryan. <laughs> Yeah. And you have to, you know, you have to value your time and their time and you got to know what your time's worth. Right. So a lot of times I'll ask my realtors flat out, what's your hourly rate? They can't tell you what they make per hour. They can't tell you how many closings they have. And so, yeah, I mean, your schedule obviously equates to how much you're going to make. And so, yeah, schedule is the most important thing. Period. Love that. Love that. Last question before we go in business. What do you know for sure, Ryan? Oh, gosh, it's, it's never going to be this good. So I, I tend to live every year, like I'm going bankrupt and I think stay conservative. Uh, you know, what do you know for sure? You're in control. The market's going to change. You can ebb and flow. Um, my favorite books who move the cheese. I read that probably three times a year. And honestly, just stay nimble. Um, and, and the money flows if you do the right thing. That's the only thing I know. I, whatever catastrophic, I mean, look at a pan, world pandemic happened and somehow we still crushed. Right. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just was in my office doing our job. So, um, you know, if you care, which again, costs nothing and you're passionate about what you do, and you have goals and you have a schedule, everything else will fall in line. We haven't cured cancer. We're just doing title work. I love that so much, Ryan. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Your words of wisdom, your tips, your nuggets, your you know little quotes that you did along the way. You gave us so much great information and intel. Guys, rewind this and write down all the notes that you get out of this thing because it's a gem. Ryan, thank you so much. Congratulations to you on all your success. We appreciate you so much. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, you're awesome. Take care. Ryan, thank you for leading by example, sharing your words of wisdom to us. We all got great takeaways. You're fantastic. Keep up the great work and absolutely appreciate you being on the podcast. DJ, let's kick us off something pretty dang cool because we just interviewed a rock star. 